What a night. What a night. Oh, what a night. <laughs> Late October in 2018. <laughs> and now throw to the end zone. Caught touchdown! Isaac Zico! And it's a fake. And the holder takes off. And is going to be knocked down at the nine-yard line by Jordan Fuller. Schaubert took off, but he got the first down. Wow. Wow. Rolls that direction and delivers underneath. Touchdown. Moore makes up for the drop and reaches the end zone. Haskins for the end zone. Deflected and knocked away. He was looking for McLaurin. And Antonio Blackman was there to break it up. High formation, two tight ends. Old-time Big Ten football. Touchdown, Purdue! Haskins, Hill, incomplete! Off his hands! Ohio State still cannot find the end zone. It's a quick handoff, and bursting up the middle is nice! Dexter Phillip Knox, touchdown! They fake it to him, now Knox cuts back. Knox in the clear, foot race! Touchdown, Purdue! More in motion, they get it to him. More in space, a burst of speed, a first down for Purdue. He's still going. More cuts back, touchdown. It is intercepted. Bailey the other way. Marcus Bailey punctuates this upset with a pick six. Tonight is Purdue and the Boilermakers with a total effort. Tremendous coaching, calculated gambles that pay off. This one is for themselves, it's for the coaches, it's for their fans and the alums, and it's for Tyler Trent, who got his wish, who showed the toughness and the heart to make it here tonight and watch his team drum the number two team in the country. Final seconds, I won't even snap it. Boilermakers rush the field. What a night in West Lafayette. What a night, ladies and gentlemen. What a night Saturday night was at Ross Eight Stadium. This is the Hammer and Ales podcast, and coming to we are coming to you here Sunday night, exhausted, scratchy throated, bit hungover. Didn't get to bed till 3 a.m. last night after driving back from West Lafayette in just an unbelievable atmosphere possibly the greatest game i've ever been to at ross aid stadium i know i was at the infamous holy toledo game with drew Brees. the uh, rose bowl clincher in 2000 against indiana was right up there because that was just a three and a half hour party and beating up indiana but purdue pulls out just an unbelievable and unmerciful ass whipping of ohio state 49 to 20 so we are here to talk about it uh, with us, as always, from Southern California, we have Juan, who is recording everything for us. How you doing, Juan? Pretty good. Pretty good. Yesterday was a great day. Yes. Yes, it was. And also with us tonight, on the other coast, from our nation's capital, or just outside it in Baltimore County now, we have Andrew Ledman chiming in for the first time on the podcast in a while. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Just like Juan, you know, it's just a great day. Great day to be a Boilermaker just like every other day, but today's a little extra special. Yes, yes, it was. So uh, I I guess I could just start off with how it was in the stadium. It it was just such an incredible night. Normally when we play Ohio State, we expect a big crowd, and they bring a pretty hefty hefty contingent of fans because they're so close, and uh, the joke is always – they always try to sell at Indiana Stadium so they can get their picture of red and whatnot. I, one of the things that really stands out is it was mostly a Purdue crowd and never let the Ohio State fans really try to uh, turn the game. I know one of the things that Ohio State loves to do is uh, get their OHIO chant going once they have a lead in a road stadium like that. And they never even got close to that last night, which was just that was so sweet. And well, you know, Ohio State fans love to brag that they can spell four letter words. Still waiting on the day that they can spell Maine. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, 
know, you can see what ones were there were leaving in droves. Uh, sitting behind me last night, there was a guy and wasn't sure if it was his wife or his girlfriend, but he was a diehard Purdue fan and she was an Ohio State fan. And at one point in the fourth quarter, she's sitting there just visibly pissed off. And I just overheard her say, I'm sitting out here in the cold just for you. So and I was like, oh, so there, there was some salt there, too. Very, very rarely do we get the chance to just rub it in like this. And it, it's amazing to see also not how much fun the fans had, but also how the rest of college football and whatnot. If you were following it last night, everybody was behind us. And it's it's that's what makes it so fun to be a Boilermaker today, because everybody's kind of patting us on the back, really. Yeah, I mean, to go back to your earlier point, especially with the Ohio State fans that were there, I mean, obviously I wasn't in the stadium yesterday, but I've been at enough Purdue-Ohio State games where, you know, Ohio State comes in and, and they've trounced us. And it's so maddening when they do the OHIO around Ross-Aid Stadium because it's like, one, it's our stadium and people shouldn't be able to do that. But two, it's just, oh, it it's just it's so maddening. It's like we are the home team and there's literally nothing we can do about it because we, we, we would be getting trounced and, you know, they just do that cheer and it just grates on you. But like you said, last night there was no Ohio State sound on TV, nothing that I could hear throughout it. And it was just I mean, it was just incredible from start to finish. It was a Purdue crowd the whole night. I don't know about you, but I could hear them crying. And I'm pretty sure that Lake Erie is now officially is no longer a freshwater lake. It is now a saltwater lake from all the tears of Ohio State fans. And it's glorious. I do know that we got our requisite uh, shot of the guy that paints his whole head, bald head silver. Uh, There was a requisite shot of him just upset late in the game. And I I, uh, found out I was going to get my parents tickets late Friday afternoon because my mother had some minor surgery this week and she wasn't going to be able to make it. So I ended up listing my tickets on StubHub and they went for a total of $200. So I got to pack it. I got to pocket about $200. So and hopefully, what you're saying is that you're going to start paying us more, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping it's some Ohio State fan that seriously overpaid and went home. That would be great. That would be just very horrible. unhappy. But it, it was just there were, the only time you really heard the Ohio State fans is when they entered the field uh, right before the start of the game. And that was really it. And they never got into it. And and probably what really started it going was that first drive where they had backed us up to our own two-yard line on a really good punt. And we ended up marching 98 yards for the score. And we had a 15-yard penalty during the drive. So it was really a 113-yard drive. And that just got everything going from there. Yeah, that was just an incredible drive. Because like you said, you're backed up to the two. And... Ohio State, though they have some uh, new new guys on the team, a little roughed up on defense at times, they're still the number two team in the nation. You don't expect to be able to just, you know, cram the ball down their throat for 98 yards, especially at the beginning of the game when they're fresh. So to see Purdue drive the length of the field, plus, like you said, more so because of uh, the the penalty, I mean, it was just incredible. All cards on the table, we did get helped by a – uh, fumble that shouldn't have given us a first down, but actually did. But I think the Zico catch kind of redeemed it because it was just such an incredible play. You know, oh, yes. as a Michigan grad, I'm okay with Ohio State getting a bad spot. Yeah. And the thing so. is, is it was only it was the second down play of the drive, so if, yeah, yeah, we would it still would have had a chance to convert on the next one. I think it probably would have been about a yard short if they'd have gone from where he was fumbled. Yeah, Herb, Herb Street and Fowler kept saying that he fumbled it at the 17 and it went out of bounds at the 12. And that that didn't seem right to me based on what I was seeing, but they also didn't have a camera angle that was flush with the yard line. So I couldn't tell exactly where he fumbled it, but I felt like it, I don't feel like it traveled five yards, but that could be my homerism coming out. But like you said, I mean, we would have had additional shots at it and we could have easily gotten a first down um, on the next play. So... I'm not too terribly worried about that, but it was an interesting play that, you know, bounced in our favor. They never looked like the number two team, really. I mean, they never really got their offense in sync. And that was not your typical Ohio State defense, because usually that's what stands out about Ohio State is they've got a defense that you're going to be lucky to score 20, 25 points against them. But Purdue was I mean, we just moved the ball at ease with ease most of the night. The fumble, the Knox fumble for a first down. Does does that count as a trick play? 
I don't think that that's like uh, that's like something out of Mighty Ducks when Bombay tells him to cheat to win. You know, it's like you do whatever you can to get those extra yards, I guess. Just all according to the plan. Yeah. I will say that when they ran the fake punt, when they ran the fake field goal, I did the uh, Sam Cassell watermelon balls dance. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I was really confused when that happened because I thought it looked like the the kick was blocked or something. Exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say, Juan. The the camera angle they showed, you couldn't really tell what was happening. I didn't see a kick, and I was like, oh, God dang it. He got it blocked, and I was looking for if they picked up the ball, if they were, like, running to score, and all of a sudden you see Shopper running out to the left side of the, the field, and I'm like, oh, my God, it's a fake. I'm, like, screaming. Like, I'm, I'm, my wife is, like, asleep on the couch. I don't know why I'm yelling. It, it, it was just it's such a great call in that moment, and it obviously was the last thing anybody expected. But, you know, I guess at this point we should expect it from Brom. You know, the guy wants to play to win. And uh, and like he said at halftime, these are these are games where you're gonna have to take a chance or two. And he took that and it paid off big time. Shopper was a beast last night because yeah. he got roughed up twice punting and then trucked over an Ohio State player on that fake play to get the first down. I think Ohio State hit him the hardest out of all our players last night. <laughs> and I I honestly think it would have been blocked if there had been a kick because they got great penetration. I'm I'm with you where I was sitting in the stadium. I thought they did get a block on it, and then he took off. It looked like for a minute he was going to be able to score on it, but then they were able to close on him and stop him. But still, first down. Then of course Rondell Moore comes through again because Rondell Moore is holy shit, this kid. I yeah. mean, well that was a redemption too because just he, on third he down he dropped a sure touchdown. Or at least a first down. And yes, then, it was definitely a first down. I mean, Ohio State couldn't tackle him, so it probably would have been a touchdown. Uh, they're they're going to have nightmares of him because he was just fantastic last night. And let's see, he had 170 yards receiving, 24 rushing. He had 49 on kickoff returns. With, he only had a long at 22. And then he had at least one decent punt. Yeah, he had nine yards on punt returns too. And I just love that. Brom is doing everything humanly possible to get him the ball in space because he knows get him in the ball, get him the ball in space. Something could happen. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know who said it. It might've been, might've been Holmes. You know, everybody compares him to Dorian Bryant, but, and I love Dorian Bryant. You know, he was one of the best players I've ever seen play. But I mean, at this point you almost have to say he's, he's up there with Dorian. Don't you? I mean, just the way he plays even in his freshman year with only seven games in, he's an incredible talent, like like the likes of which we haven't seen at Purdue. I think he's better than Dorian. And I, I thought the ceiling was Dorian coming into the year is him being like that. I honestly think he's better because he's got that lower body strength and it, the ability to shake off tacklers. I mean, we've seen it more than once now where he will just – it looks like he gets a solid hit and then he throws a guy off of him and keeps going like last night on his second touchdown. I mean, yeah. he just shrugs a guy off and is somehow able to stay on his feet, stick that hand in the ground and then in the acceleration from there and he's gone. It's it's incredible to watch. Yeah, he. I mean, his lower body strength and just his his control of his body. I mean, that stop and go move that he does. I don't I don't understand how you can control your body with that amount of precision. I mean, it's just incredible to me what what he can do at only a freshman in college. And really, you know, I know somebody said a few weeks ago, if we had not lost the first three games, he might be in the Heisman consideration. I don't think they're wrong with that. I mean, this is a kid that if he gets better, he legitimately could be a Heisman threat in a year or two. I mean, I don't I'm never going to say that he's going to win the Heisman. I think a Purdue player winning the Heisman is just you're going to have to go absolutely crazy because if Breeze couldn't do it, I don't know if anyone can. I mean, he's got to at least have a chance, maybe. I mean, I think it's I think it's a lot harder just because of his position. Um, wide receivers don't really get the respect that a quarterback or a running back do um, come Heisman time. But, I mean, he's certainly talented enough. There's no doubt about that. And it's, and he wasn't the only standout last night. Uh, David Blau, as usual, he uh, he had a little bit of a slow start. He was kind of inaccurate his fir- those first two or three drives. But, you know, if you can have a quiet 378 yards passing and three touchdowns, <laughs> that's it. And I think what stands out to him he only has two interceptions on the season. 
One was a tipped pass last week at Illinois, very late in the game after it was all decided. The other was off of a trick play against Missouri that they blew up. I think also the in the Boston College game, he got hit from behind and the ball never touched the ground. So they counted it as an interception. No, it, officially Didn't it they? was a fumble because there's. Okay. He, I'm looking at his stats now. He doesn't have an interception in that game. Okay. I couldn't remember if they counted a, that one as an interception. But, yeah, I mean, he has just been – I mean, he's having one of the great final years of any Purdue quarterback. He is up there, I think, with – he's reminding me a little bit of Billy Dickin in 97, only he's got more of the historical stats because he went over 8,000 career passing yards last night got a re- he's got an outside chance depending on if we make a bowl game and how well he does he's got an outside chance of hitting 10,000 which only two other Purdue quarterbacks has done have done and that's that's pretty special especially when he's never really been the full-time starter I mean as far as comparing him to former Purdue players just in their last year the one that stands out to me is Joey Elliott because yes. Elliot was the guy who always was battling Painter and, you know, Painter maybe had the the better arm. Um, Elliot was certainly the better scrambler, but Elliot never really got his due until, you know, his final year. The the year started out terribly. I mean, they had numerous turnovers. I think it was the Northwestern game that year. We had something like six turnovers. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. But then, you know, he really turned it on at the end of the year and really showed you what he was capable of. Blau, of course, turned it on a little bit earlier this season than Elliott did that year. But, you know, you can truly see how talented Blau is. And you wonder what might have been if he'd gotten other opportunities throughout his his career earlier. But, you know, we're, we're definitely seeing the um, the benefits of that stop and go career right now because maybe he's learned quite a bit far from that. And both of them have defeated Ohio State in their senior years. True, true. And I think Elliot threw for over 200 yards in that game, and both were passing touchdowns to Valentine. Yeah, both well. of them beat top 10 Ohio yes. State in their senior years. Mm-hmm. Couple, a couple of other interesting notes here. This was our first win over a top five team since 1999. Uh, that was... Uh, and of course, the last win we had over a top five team was over against number five Michigan State. And the reason that Alabama refuses to play us because Saban is scared and has an active three game losing streak against us. <laughs> <laughs> and this is also the first time we have won four games in a row since 2007. So, I mean, we're it's just so bizarre. And then you still look at the fact that we lost at home to Eastern friggin' Michigan and then blew out number two Ohio State. It was what a necessary kind of, sacrifice. Yeah, yeah, I mean, what we had to lose to the Emus. You know, he just lost to Eastern Michigan on purpose to get Louisville off his back. <laughs> yeah. That, that's the whole reason. So every time Louisville fans talk about hiring Brom, we just got to send him tapes of last year's Rutgers and Nebraska game and this year's Eastern Michigan game and just tell him, look, this guy. Don't don't look at him. Don't look at that game against Ohio State and Illinois and Nebraska and Boston College. No, 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 no. You don't want this guy. Take his brother, maybe. <laughs> you want a guy that can beat Illinois? Hire Daryl Hazel. Hazel beat Illinois twice. Yeah. And I think Danny Hope is from the Kentucky area. So, you know, not too far from Louisville, probably. I don't know. Kentucky is like, what, 50 square miles? Yeah, uh, I mean, I Danny Hope's fine. Uh, I think we also got to mention DJ Knox last night. Uh, oh. We didn't get, have much of a running game. But it was kind of one of those where you would wear him down, wear him down, wear him down, and then boom, he hits those two big runs in the fourth quarter. They said it is the most rushing yards we've had from a running back against Ohio State since Montrell Lowe. I just like how Fowler and Herb Street were saying that Purdue's running game hadn't been that strong, and then Knox just ran with that first touchdown in the fourth quarter for what, 42 yards or so? Yeah. It's like, so I was telling the Ohio State fans, if you know, it's like you, you want to blame someone. You got to blame the ESPN crew for just jinxing you guys there. And and I think that's really what we did is we just kind of warmed down, warmed down that fourth quarter. Their defense broke. I mean, you don't give up four, three forty yard plays in the fourth quarter without your defense just breaking like that. Yeah, and I think you know, obviously Blackman, or I'm sorry, Blackman uh, Knox was impressive. I mentioned Blackman because I want to talk about Blackman. You know, comparing the way their defense played uh, at the end of the game to the way ours played throughout the entirety of the game is just astounding to me because, like, Drew always likes to point out to us, you know, with all his articles about the the talent gap between where we are and, and where we could be. I mean, this Purdue defense doesn't have near the star power. If you just look at on paper as the Ohio State defense did 
or does. And yet, you know, this Purdue team outplayed their defense. You know, obviously we got to mention Marcus Bailey, who had that pick six. And as we should note, grew up in Ohio State's backyard, as they mentioned about a dozen times uh, during the broadcast. But then you look at a guy like Antonio Blackman, who on at least two third downs in the end zone uh, broke up pass plays. Absolutely. That would have led to to easy touchdowns for Ohio State, which one led to a field goal. And I think one was was uh, the driver. They missed the field goal. So, you know, he's taking 14 points off the board. They end up with three. So, I mean, that's an 11 point swing. And if they get those points, who knows how the game changes? His individual effort was absolutely incredible. Oh, yeah. And oh, Ohio yeah. State was going up and down the field with Haskins still had what almost like 500 yards passing. And a lot of that was, you know, happening when the game was still competitive. And, you know, four red zone trips, you know, the defense theoretically should be tired at that point. But they've put up a fight. And again, like you said, they only got two field goals out of it because one of them as well. They ended up they tried to go for the touchdown on fourth down and missed. Yeah, he, he broke up the pass on their first drive for the field goal. And then he broke up the one, like you said, before the missed field goal. So both of them are in the first half. And like you said, that's 11 points there. Otherwise, they're leading 14-7. And after the missed field goal, we were able to go down and score because uh, that missed field goal seemed to energize us, too. Uh, our last drive of the half was a minute 24. We went 80 yards in eight plays, and that included a fake field goal. Uh, just a lot of other individual performances. Isaac Zicko last night, again, uh, someone's mentioned that he is kind of becoming the he's the Mahungu of this season. And I could see that because that first that first touchdown catch was incredible. Just kind of an over the shoulder grab like that with one hand, one hand. Yeah. And I, I just kind of was like, he caught that. Oh, I guess he did catch that and just gets the foot down in bounds. Uh, a couple of other guys that stood out. Uh, Bailey, 15 tackles on the night. Kenneth Major, 12 tackles. Uh, he has been solid as a red redshirt freshman cornerback, and he is going to be very good. He's already got three interceptions this year. Yeah, he, he has been incredibly impressive. Same thing with Jacob Thiemann. I mean, nine tackles. He was all over the field um, last night and in big spots, too. And I, I think it was Cornell Jones was the one that uh, they got in his face before the game when they tried to cut through our yeah uh, cut through us coming on the field. And uh, that to me set a tone because that show we were not going to back down to them. I think they kind of did that to intimidate and walk through us and thinking that we were going to back down. And, you know, he he really lit a fire, I think, too. I'm wondering how much that had a factor in everything as well. That's the lesson from all of yesterday's Big Ten teams is uh, don't try to run through your opposing opponents in pregame because it will backfire (laughs) one thing that kind of interests me about this defense is there's just such a mix of talent and mix of personalities you know obviously we don't know these we don't know these guys we just read interviews we watch we watch the the games and watch interviews on tv as well but i mean you know you look at a guy like cornell jones who seems like a real firebrand who's who's ready to go to war for his teammates and He'll get in your face. And then you've got guys like like Thieneman and um, Neil, who you really don't hear much about. You don't see a lot of trash talk from him. I mean, Neil's, you know, made a mistake here or there, but you don't get the you don't get the sense, at least from me, that they're like the hothead in your face kind of guys. So I like that we have that balance of personalities on the team. So you can you kind of got a little bit of everything. You got somebody who's going to light a fire under you, but then you've also got guys who are more solid and more steady. Um, and kind of can calm you in different situations. So I think it makes for an interesting uh, dynamic on the defense. Well, you'll like this one. Uh, it was from Spencer Hall on the top whatever. He ranks uh, the weekly ranking of college football teams that as of that moment, so it's not over the season. It's just basically based on that day. And he's talking about the even keelness of David Blau. And uh, he goes, Purdue, for instance, settled on a starter at QB and started scoring 40 points a game. David Blau threw for 378 yards and three TDs last night against the Buckeyes. He also earned an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty for running onto the field after the Boilermaker defense finished the game with a pick six off Dwayne Haskins. An incredible teammate is always there to help you talk. And Blau was obviously an incredible teammate. Yeah, that that was hilarious when you, like he we score the touchdown and you just see Blau running onto the field without his helmet and I'm like what is he doing? And then <laughs> you knew he was going to get a flag, but he could not have cared any less at that moment 
about a 15-yard penalty that they were going to enforce. I don't think anybody on our team cared. I think Braum probably didn't even care at that point. He was just like, I, I don't even care. Just, you know, do whatever. I honestly thought that, like, the the rest of the team was following through because I know sometimes that happens where the whole team will just rush the field on a touchdown just to, like, rub it in, especially in rivalry games. And when I saw it was just blah, I'm like, damn, this guy's <laughs> just going all out. <laughs> Well, it was a rivalry game. We now have the historical the, and we are the Purdue University. So yes, somebody should, this is somebody true. Should literally get like a laminated piece of paper that just says the. <laughs> like, I don't. I don't want it to be flashy. I don't want it to, you know, be like block letters on a piece of wood or anything. I just want like a laminated piece of paper. It should be in Comic Sans because of one of Ohio's greatest residents, the owner of the Cleveland Cavaliers, Dan Gilbert, loves Comic Sans. So I think they should do that. And then you just. Everybody just passes it around. Well, I did do a a very quick Microsoft Paint tonight where I cut out the old oaken bucket and just left a white space there and put the on it. And it's it's Garrett Hudson who was on last year's team. He was supposed to be holding the bucket, and now he's holding the white the. Nice. We absolutely need to hold on to it because we lose it to Michigan State. They can win it right back because they play Michigan State the following week. This Big Ten season has just been weird. I think I feel like I say that every year, but we're now favored going to Michigan State. That's nuts. Depending on which uh, Vegas site you look at. Well, it doesn't even even the any of them would. It's it's a coin flip either way. Which is you know, if you would have told me that at in week three that we could have been possibly favored, even a coin flip going into Michigan State, I'd have been like, what the are you talking about? I am not actually putting it out of the realm of possibility. We could win the West, And, and that's. I mean, we beat Michigan State. Suddenly our two hardest games left are at home against Wisconsin and Iowa. And we absolutely could win those. And then you just you just need one Northwestern loss in there. And they still have to play both Wisconsin and Iowa. I mean, it's if we could beat the number two team in the state or state number two team in the nation as bad as we did. Why can't we win the West? Yeah, I mean, I guess anything is possible. I don't even know. Like you said, I mean, it's going to take some losses from other teams. Northwestern, obviously, because the other teams will, will play. But, I mean, I, I just have no idea what's going on with this football team. I didn't think they had a shot at beating Ohio State. Obviously, I know nothing. So, I don't know why my opinion is even being given. I, I thought we had a chance, but I was expecting it, expecting it to be like one of those 45-42. Huge plays all over the place. Leaky defenses on both sides. But a 29 point thumping i believe uh, the espn stats crew said it is the third worst loss of a top two team ever to an unranked team well i have to admit too that uh when ohio state cut at 35 20 i'm like damn it we scored too fast you know now they're clicking again they're gonna get onside kick here and they can easily make this a one score game and then rondale moore said no don't worry about that oh yeah it was fantastic I think that's when I benched you and told you I was writing the post game quick wrap <laughs> because I didn't need your bad energy infecting us. Well, you know what? Maybe I was just trying to jinx Ohio State. <laughs> yeah, it's a reverse jinx. Exactly. I did. I, looking back at my tweets, I'm you know throughout the season, I'm like, do I have powers? <laughs> <laughs> this Purdue fueled by my doubt. Maybe I should yes, keep doubting. Just, um, you know, probably Brom just shows my tweets to the team. Being like, look at this little f***er. <laughs> Prove him wrong. I think you I think you might be having delusions of Granger a little bit there. Well, I don't know the best what type you're of talking about. I expose the Hazel conspiracy. You know what? Let's just roll with it. <laughs> I think another thing that's hilarious out of this is Ohio State is legitimately afraid now to play at ross Stadium. It is a house of horrors for them. And if not for Holy Buckeye, they would be two and six this century and it would have cost them at least one national championship. That's when they are as good as they have been over the last 20 years or so. And the Trestle, I don't count the Fickle one year, but the Trestle to Urban Meyer era, if you will, it is just insane that they have struggled so much in West Lafayette. They have 20, they only have 20 road losses in conference play in that time. Five of them have been at Purdue. Yeah, that's that's insane. And that's since 2000, right? Yes. Yeah, they they showed that stat um, during the game yesterday and they have the worst winning percentage of any Big Ten road game or road venue at Purdue since 2000. 
I think Ross 8 is the only stadium that they have a losing record in. It's just insane. It's nuts. And, and it's, it's crazy. And I think what I love the most about it is a lot of uh, a lot of Ohio State fans actually respect us now because of it. It's the we're just freaking terrified to play in your stadium because it is a house of horrors for us. I mean, they've lost three of their last four there. Wow. And the only one that they won was the 56 nothing, just unmerciful beating um, they laid on Hazel's first team. That game. Well, Hazel rigged that game. All right. He told he told Danny Etling to throw to the right where he knew like three Ohio State defenders were and there would only be one pretty receiver. So that was a pick six just waiting to happen. But again, I've already talked about this. We got our revenge. But yeah, it, it's just it's so crazy that they are struggling that much. And it's not like we've used it or, you know, we haven't won in Columbus in 30 years. We still trail the all-time series. It says 39-15-2, they have the all-time series. But it, bizarrely, this century, they have just struggled so much in West Lafayette. It's crazy. There was yeah, this I, uh, video I saw earlier. I think it's a new a new station in Columbus, Cleveland, or Cincinnati. You know, the only three cities in Ohio. Um, <laughs> and I used to live in Ohio, so I can say that. And the news reporters, they're all like Ohio State fans. And apparently one of them is a Purdue alum. And so they're all telling him like, oh, you know, what is he talking about? Like, but sure enough, this Purdue guy is going through this, the news station, like blowing a train whistle as they're making <laughs> fun of him. And the Reddit comments are like, oh, those news reporters are tempting fate trying to make fun of Purdue. So I, I kind of want to see that news broadcast now and see what happens. <laughs> Well, my wife works with a diehard Ohio State fan, and she is already... Now, bear in mind, she is a Miami alum, and primarily a Miami fan, but she hates Ohio State also because of that, so she already has a nice morning plan of teasing him. And I again, it goes back to so much of the college football world enjoyed Ohio State just getting the living hell knocked out of them yesterday. And especially after, I think... It, just makes it just a little bit sweeter after their offseason issues. And they were starting to get the, well, over, Urban Meyer overcame adversity this year to succeed. Well, have the adversity of a 29-point ass-whipping at the hands of Purdue, pal. Deal with well, it. I hate the idea of calling it adversity. He failed to turn in someone for domestic abuse. Let's not pretend like he has cancer. Or right. he lost a loved one. Like, no, dude. You—, you you brought this on yourself. He just lost his dignity. He had I dignity? Think he had it. And, and they needed an city to, you know, because there's no diversity in Ohio. So they needed to work on adversity. Well, I, I know that they're talking about how Ohio State can still make the playoff and whatnot. As I said in my rap last night, writing it at 2.30 in the morning, I, they're, they're done. Their season is ruined because they won't make the playoff. You're not going to make the playoff when you lose by 29 to a point. 29 points oh, to a team that buddy. lost to Eastern Michigan. Oh, it's just buddy. not Calm down. Let's hold up here because college football is chaos. Like, 2007 Ohio State team made it to the national championship game, you know, and, like, in their last game, they're like, okay, we're going to go to the Rose Bowl. And the next thing you know, the whole college football world exploded. And they're playing LSU in the championship game. Granted, that was 2007, and that was just a weird year. But let's hold off here. We're still in, like, mid to late October. There's still a lot of football to be played. Well, fine. We'll just beat them again in Indy for the Big Ten title. There you go. So I think we should also uh, address the other th big news from yesterday, and that Tyler Tritt was there. Oh, my goodness. Just talk about adding fuel to the emotional fire of yesterday. I don't know how much his presence affected it uh the just how sharp purdue was and everything else but the fact that he was there and it just added to everything and it was great to see him celebrate and especially when he later mentioned that he had to have yet another emergency surgery earlier in the week and was throwing up yesterday or friday morning it was really touch and go if he was going to get to go but oh my goodness this kid I can't say enough about him and how much I admire him, his humility, the way he has not made it about himself, but how he is still trying to help others and encourage others through it. I mean, what, what else can you say about this kid? And I didn't even get to see any of the broadcast with them talking to him during the game or anything, but just knowing that he was there was amazing. Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, you, I wasn't home for game day, so I had to watch the clip of it. Um, cause you know, you can find it everywhere on Facebook and Twitter. So I watched it after that, um, before my wife and I went to event an event in the afternoon 
I mean, you know, I get a minute and a half into this video and I am just bawling like a baby. And, you know, I'm an emotional guy anyway. I, I'll be the first one to tell you. But like you, you just hear Tom Rinaldi's voice and you just want to cry. I don't care what the story is. You know, knowing what he's gone through to get here and knowing that he was able to make it to that game and to be able to watch a game like that to see Purdue just just stomp Ohio State, especially after he said in in the video segment on game day. Um, and, you know, I don't know exactly when it was filmed, but, you know, he said they asked him, you know, what do you see in the future? And he said, well, in the immediate future, I see Purdue beating Ohio State. And it's just like it's incredible that he was thinking about that. And, you know, to be able to have him in in the stadium, to be able to watch that game, be able to get on the field, go in the locker room afterward. None of us know how much time we have left. But to see him experience that was I, I don't think that's something I'll ever forget. Me neither. And it it honestly would not have surprised me this morning if I'd woken up and there was news that he had passed in the night. And yeah, same, same. And it's like, really? I mean, we could be so lucky to go out that way. And, you know, barring a total act of God, he has probably weeks left. I mean, let's face it, that's probably the case right now. But... To be able to have this memory and to, you know, in, in your final weeks, just have something like this where so many people are supporting him and lifting him up. I mean, it's just it's just incredible. And then, you know, he tweeted about it today and everything else. And I don't know how he's still tweeting. He's down to one working arm right now and he's still encouraging people and still lifting other people up. And as I told him today, I was like, you know, hey, we still got two more home games, man. Make it if you can. You know, we're going to be here for you. We'll lift you up for it. You know, I noticed that uh, towards the end of the fourth quarter, they had him down on the field. And it looked like, you know, they they said they were wheeling him up to the locker room. But I think they were trying to get him to either either get a picture with the big drum or maybe even try to hit it. With the, I think he did with the, one, the drum. With the one hand that he had. But it was out, it was just outside the camera angle for ESPN. So they couldn't yeah. show it, unfortunately. Yeah, um, but I also have to say that, I mean... We're saying Tyler Trent's a kid, but honestly, if I could be half the man that Tyler is, you know, for what he's going through, like, I I don't know how he does it. Like, I mean, yeah. I just complain when I'm late for the bus or something, yeah. you know? And, and I mean, just to give you an idea, you know, I live in, I live in Maryland. Today, we went to, uh, we went to Costco, had to do some lovely Sunday shopping. And of course, I was wearing Purdue gear and this, you know, random man and his wife and their two kids were were coming in the same aisle as me and the guy stopped me and goes, Hey, you know, great game yesterday. And he was talking to me about the game. And then he goes, Hey, how's that? How's that kid doing that Tyler kid? And him and I talked about, you know, what he was going through for just a couple of minutes. And he goes, man, I really, really hope something good can happen to him. And, you know, that's just, it, it just shows you what a story like this can mean to people. And, and to me, that's incredible. Yeah. And it's just, Oh my goodness. And he, and he, he's got the entire state pulling for him. I mean, his story's gone national now. He still has a sense of humor here. This is great. He uh, quotes, he quote tweets himself, uh, the Tom Rinaldi, how do you see the future? Well, the immediate future in my mind, Purdue beats Ohio State. Four hours ago, he quote tweets, for those wondering, I have no idea what the winning Powerball numbers are. (laughs) (laughs) Damn it. I love this guy. And I don't think there's a Purdue person. I don't think there's anybody who doesn't love him now. And he's just, to be able to have the effect that he has had these past few weeks really this past year since his story really broke i mean it's just incredible and you know it's i i can't say enough positive things about him and it's just we're we're glad to have him as a member of our purdue family he always will be a member of our purdue family and just great that he had that memory from last night yeah just incredible now we can probably turn our attention to michigan state on on uh Next Saturday, uh, you know, let's wipe some tears from our eyes. Talk about Tyler here. <laughs> and, you know, we we go up to Michigan State and the Spartans, not exactly the best offense. Can they keep up with us right now? I mean, you have a red hot Purdue offense that has dropped at least 40 points three games in a row now. I mean, I don't know that anybody can keep up with our offense at this point. Um, I mean, like you said, Travis, we just took the number two team in the nation to the woodshed for 49 points. And I mean, I think we can all probably agree. Ohio state is probably better than Michigan state. Now this game versus Michigan state is at Michigan state, and that's going to make a difference, but it's also, 
Michigan State is a different team, a different offense, a different defense, um, you know, different personnel, different style. But, you know, I think right now, just looking at the matchup, I mean, I'll pick Purdue. I should have picked Purdue against Ohio State. Um, I should have believed in whatever Brahm is doing in this crazy season. But, you know, I'm I'm bought in now. So I expect a pretty damn good game uh, against Michigan State. I'm looking at their numbers right now. They, in conference play, they have only scored more points than Rutgers. They have scored 82 points, given up 88. Now, they they have their usual very strong uh, defense, but their offense uh, also, if you count all games, because uh, everybody's played their allotment of non-conference games, except I believe Northwestern still has to play Notre Dame. But again, they've only scored more points this year than Rutgers. So it's a case of they're not going to drop 30, 35, 40, like we expected Ohio State to. So it's a matter of if you can get out and build another lead and everything, they're not going to be able to come back. They just don't have it. Yeah, this is definitely a game that we're going to have to rely on our air attack because they have a pretty good run defense. Maybe better than Ohio State's. I don't know. Perhaps Ohio State's run defense numbers got ruined by Knox yesterday. <laughs> and those 40-yard <laughs> runs. But th- but this is def because I was watching the Michigan Michigan State game yesterday, obviously, and they were able to hold up uh, Michigan's rushing attack because Karan Higdon, it's Karan Higdon was Michigan's offense last year, um, and then la- and he's been pretty good for them this year. And Michigan State was able to hold him in check for most of the game, and so it was really up to Patterson to attack by the air. Uh, so again, I think this is one game that Blau is going to again going to have to have a really good night. Or you know, it's a noon game, so it'll be a you know a good day if Purdue is going to want to win this game. And yesterday, Michigan's defense was able to absolutely wreck MSU's offense. They only had 94 yards to, of total offense yesterday. Yeah, that was insane. I saw that and I thought it was a typo. Yeah, Lewerke had a QB QB rating of 3.3, and then of course someone tweeted that that's not good enough to get into Michigan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a good joke. That's a real well good done. Joke. So, yeah, I think if we can put the pressure on Lewerke and force him to throw, like this could be a game that Purdue wins. You know, really, it's a, it's, it's a coin flip. Depending on who you ask, it, it, we're either one-point favorites or one-point underdog. So if you would have told me after the Eastern Michigan or Mizzou game that we'd be going into Michigan State as a, a coin flip game, I would have thought you were crazy. When we lost to Eastern Michigan and looked so bad in doing it, I was questioning if we were going to beat Illinois. I, I was like, we might go 1-11 beating only Illinois. You weren't and, alone. And the next week when we were at least competitive and took Missouri to the wire, I was like, okay, I'm feeling a little bit better. You know, maybe something like 4-8. and eight, But my goodness now. Oh, man. And uh, I, I really think that we could win comfortably at Michigan State. I just don't think they have the offense, really. I mean, this is a team that struggled at home against Utah State in the season opener. Uh, they they only had 13 points against Arizona State. They only beat Central Michigan 31-20. And, you know, 20 points at home against Northwestern, 7 points at home against Michigan. They have not played well at home. And they, they've actually played a little bit better on the road, too. Yeah, and I mean, their offense, just in Big Ten play, has scored 7, 21, 19, and 35. And that 35 was against IU. So, you know, not exactly a defensive stalwart there. So in their last three conference games, they've broken 20 points only one time, and that was 21. So, and granted, that was against Penn State where they won, but not exactly um, a juggernaut of an offense. So let's hope that trend continues because – I trust Nick Holt to to figure out a way to scheme a uh, a pass rush to to pressure their quarterback. Holt has been incredible with our linebackers and with Jones and Derek Barnes and of course Bailey. I it I had forgotten what it's like to have a run defense. I mean, it, it wasn't that long ago that anybody with a pulse was running for 150 yards and three scores against us. And now he's got, I mean, he was able to hold Ohio State under 100 yards rushing. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, didn't, yeah. Didn't we have a streak where we allowed like 20 plus games of 100 yard rushing? At least, I don't know. But let's see, yesterday Ohio State finished with, uh, they finished with 76 yards rushing. And some of that was well after the game was decided and they were just trying to kill the clock too. Yeah, I think 
the Michigan State game might be similar in terms of a defensive matchup. It might be similar to Boston College because Michigan State's offense right now is just LJ Scott at running back. Um, their top receiver went down with a torn Achilles in yesterday's Ooh. game as well. Oh, untouched. That. Untouched. As soon as the ball was snapped, he went down. Oh, that's was, awful. Yeah. So that is might that, also be a reason. Felton hmm? Davis? I think. I'm forgetting my names here, but... Michigan State at the moment doesn't really have too many quarterbacks. And the one touchdown they had yesterday was off a of Michigan fumble and they ran the Philly special. <laughs> so it's their quarterback who's the best receiver right now on the team. Yeah. And I mean, look, I'm looking at their their quarterback stats. He's 140 for 250 for a 56% completion percentage, only averages 6.6 yards for attempt, an attempt, and has eight touchdowns against seven interceptions. Wow. Not great. That's yeah. not great, Bob. Yeah, Michigan State <laughs> fans are not happy with Lewerke at the moment. That's for sure. And and we've had a series of close games the last couple times we played him. Hazel yeah. somehow kept it close all three times he played him, including three point loss the last time we were up there. Well, I will. I was at that 2013 game, and I will just say that it was Michigan State who was shooting themselves in the foot. Like Purdue could have not been out there at all. They could have just stayed on the sidelines, and the score probably would have been the same. <laughs> I'm just going to state that for the record right now because uh, Hazel deserves no credit for that score. I agree. Well, officially, they have won seven in a row in the series, and the series was tied 28-28-3 before the seven-game winning streak. Oh, jeez. And uh, the Big Ten owes us, kind of. Uh, they owe us a couple home games here because when we play up there next week, it'll be the fourth time in the last five games we've gone to East Lansing. Well, I think things got kind of screwed around with the new additions. Yeah, the Big Ten yeah, because it's weird. Yeah, because 2013 was like our first game against them since 2010, I believe. Yeah, and then Rutgers and Maryland got thrown in, and so we played them again two more times. One on at least a home and home mm. that time, but well, and it doesn't help that you know they tried the stupid legends and leaders divisions, and then they had the crossover games, and then they scrapped those, and then East and West and crossover games. It's so the whole changing the divisions up has really screwed everything up as far as scheduling goes. Oh, yeah. I think last year or two or 26, either 2016 or 2017 was the first time IU played Nebraska because not only did they get thrown in in 2012, but then with Rutgers and Maryland being thrown in as well, there's just so many scheduling mixes that they didn't even yeah. meet for like the first five or six years. Yeah. And hey. Pop quiz. Can any of you tell me which division Purdue was in, Legends or Leaders? Leaders. Legends. Okay. <laughs> I'm literally going to have to look it up. I don't know. They were in the, Purdue was in the Leaders division with Ohio State, Penn State, Wisconsin, right. Illinois. Yes, we were in the Leaders division. You're right. Yeah. Why not? I should be running this site. No, because well, yeah. the only way I remember is is uh, the Legends had every M and N, and then they had Iowa. And that's also how we uh, Iowa became our most hated rivals too. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> but I I just like to rag on that whenever I can. So yeah, I mean, okay, we're getting close to an hour. So I think it, does anybody have any final impressions of Michigan State? I'm gonna more lean toward Juan here because I've only seen about a half of football of theirs. Well, Michigan State is certainly fueled on the uh, disrespect. So maybe and it was a joke among Michigan fans this past week that uh, to show a lot of respect to Michigan State to ward off the disrespect voodoo. Um, so hopefully, you know, we show some respect to MSU, not give D'Antonio any fuel or anything. You know, he probably will still be pissed off at Harbaugh somehow. And let's just hope it doesn't rain or there's any weather delays, because that is also Michigan State's magic juice when it comes to winning. Oh, is that the case? Yeah, because the the times that MSU was good last last night uh, yesterday was when it was raining. I'm not kidding. Like there is a correlation there, and I mean last year too, they had the rain game for the Michigan Michigan State game, and then Penn State came in heavy favorites to Spartan Stadium. They had a huge weather delay, and Michigan State pulled off the upset. So yeah, it's it's real. Uh, I think we dodged a bullet yesterday too with the weather because when I left Kokomo after the wedding, it was throwing some sort of frozen participant precipitation from the sky and it was just nasty and i'm like i do not want to sit outside in this but as we got closer to lafayette the sun came out the clouds parted and it was cold but we were at least had dry weather and i think that helped too god's country yes yes it was so as as we uh wind down here for the night do you uh have any final thoughts we'll go with ledman first no i mean like i said the thing that i'm just gonna remember and i i wrote this in my post after the game you know and 
people like people like us who analyze and review and and watch Purdue football and Purdue sports, you know, we remember specific games, we remember specific plays, um, you know, things that we'll we'll remember ten years, twenty years, thirty years after the game. And I don't know that I'm going to remember a specific play from this game, but I will remember this game just because of Tyler Trent, because of all the emotion around it, you know, and and obviously it was just the outcome of the great game was fantastic, but just everything surrounding it. Um, you know, I don't think it's a, a game and a feeling most of us are going to forget for a long time. So it was just incredible. Well, for my final thought, I'm going to one up you and say that I will remember <laughs> and also remember Tyler Trent. So suck it. <laughs> wow. The one up you. That's fantastic. And, you know, uh, honestly, it was just it was just a great day all around. I mean, I was I started the day I go to one of my best friends. I've had known him since we were 14. I go to his wedding, had a great time, even delivered a fantastic impromptu groomsman speech and just had a good time with my friends. Picked up my son from my parents and we're driving across and just idyllic fall day once we got out of Howard County and the rain and everything going across between Kokomo and Lafayette. And then the game itself, just the most incredible atmosphere that we've had in a very long time in West Lafayette and only our third win in a true night game uh, at home, which was, you know, maybe we finally and, broke that hex. And it was our first uh, home night game win against a Power 5 team. And all three home night game wins have come against teams from Ohio because it's been Toledo, Ohio, and Anaho- and Ohio State University. So. This is true. So we should only host teams from Ohio for night games. Yes. <laughs> but... Just the atmosphere in the stadium. It was absolutely electric. I know somebody else tweeted that it was so loud we were causing false starts. And that had never happened before in a very long time. I mean, it wasn't that long ago. We'd be lucky to have half of that crowd there for a noon kickoff where we'd be behind four touchdowns within 20 minutes. So, you know, I I kind of feel like maybe this finally, 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 and I hope I'm right with this, reversed the... uh, the bad juju of the fumble and where we go from here is so critical because we obviously had the original Purdue Harbor where we upset number seven, Ohio state, and we weren't able to build much of anything off of it. If we can build something off of this, it can be a program changing win. And I would love to see that happen because we are, we're starved for that. We want to see that. And it would just it would just be great that this is the beginning of something. I think uh, we officially overcome the fumble juju when we beat Wisconsin. That's that the final. Be in a few weeks. That's the final Horcrux or whatever. Don't be mad at me if you're a, a Harry Potter fan. <laughs> well, remember. Well, I, I know we have a, our own basketball Horcruxes. I, I would hate to see some football Horcruxes. So, so uh, for Lemon and for Juan, we thank you for listening. Glad everybody enjoyed this win over Ohio State. And we'll be back at this next week, hopefully, after yet another win over Michigan State. And the move to 5-3 and three on the season would be incredible. Those are up. Tyler Strong. <laughs>